Well, this morning, um, the ministry that we're going to start off um, highlighting is a ministry called Young Life. Um, it has a very ooh, yeah, uh, rich history here in St. Joe. It's been around for decades and decades. And um, I know with confidence um, that easily over half the people in this room have been impacted in some way or another by this ministry. And so today, we're going to have the opportunity to hear, uh, to hear from a few people. Uh, we're going to start off, uh, I'm going to introduce uh, Phil Zwerink, who is the area director of, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a lot of love for you, you guys. Uh, he's the area director here, so he's going to share a little bit about this ministry for those that don't know, um, just kind of what they do, and then we're going to hear from someone else as well that he'll introduce, so come on up, Phil. Hey, I am really excited. I, um, most of you in here are folks that I know or have met before, um, and uh, I have the privilege of being the area director for Young Life here in town in St. Joseph, and, um, and I also help um, oversee Savannah and Maryville, and um, it has been a blessing um, this ministry has in my life uh, for a really long period of time. Um, the Ministry of Young Life is an organization It's designed for uh, high school, middle school, and right now college students um, for, for folks to have an opportunity to hear the gospel um, from leaders um, or adult folks who have been trained who care for them deeply to hear the gospel well on their turf in their language. And so uh, we, uh, we do a lot of uh, training of leaders and, and sending them out into, into the world of teenagers uh, to go build relationships, spend time with them, get to know them, have great conversations about who this great creator, the God of the universe is. Um, and so uh, we actually spend a lot of time uh, just building relationships, which in my mind is really the gospel. That is exactly what Jesus has done with us. Um, he came down on the face of the earth to, to build relationships, talk with us, be with us, know us, so that we might know how much he cares and how much he loves us. Um, Young Life has been in the St. Joseph community for 64 years which is absolutely cool. There are several folks in this room uh, that have been on Young Life staff before. Um, uh, I actually find myself, in, you know, oftentimes a little insecure um, sitting in this room because some of the people that are in this room have been leaders of this ministry before me and probably did a better job than I did. So, um, but I'm, I'm super excited that the, the ministry of Young Life has been in town for 64 years. I was involved with Young Life when I was in high school. Um, and, and have been involved ever since. Uh, and so I do want you to know we have several different parts of our ministry. Um, and one of the parts that, that uh, we are inviting you guys to participate in and play a role in is our, the camping part of our ministry. Um, we, every year we get an opportunity to take kids, um, to take high school, middle school, and now college students um, away to a place where they can really hear the gospel well. Um, and so uh, we're going to invite you guys to be a, be a part of that. Um, but one, I, I don't want to share the story. Um, as much as I love sharing the story, I want you guys to hear a story firsthand. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, bring up a young lady who's been involved in club, been involved in campaigners, has gone to camp before. Um, she has been a wildlife leader, and she is currently a Savannah Young Life leader, um, she has been to camp with kids. She has been to camp herself as a, as a high school student. Um, she's prayed for kids and leaders as they've gone to camp. 
and has served um, several times as, as a work crew and summer staff. And so I would love for you guys to give some of your great attention to my friend Claire. Uh, Claire Palmer, soon to be soon to be Keegan. <laughs> so if you guys would give her your attention, that'd be great. Um, good morning, Well Spring. So like Phil said, my name is Claire Palmer, and I just want to share a little bit of my story with you. So I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a deacon of the church, and my mom was my Sunday school teacher, which basically meant I had seen every VeggieTales episode and knew all the Bible songs. Um, Jesus was a familiar word to me. I knew who he was and what he was about, um, but I didn't really have that personal relationship with him. That was until Young Life entered my world. Um, I had seen the posters around Central High School, um, but I kind of just thought it was for the popular people, and in my eyes, I was not a part of that group. So my sophomore year, one of my friends had kind of encouraged me to go, and so finally, I reluctantly went, and when I walked through the doors, I was promptly, I just vividly remember this, I was promptly greeted by a middle-aged woman who was full of energy, dancing, and smiling, and um, let's just, she was just, we'll put up that picture. <laughs> I was very intrigued, a little weirded out, but just intrigued because I'd never met her before, and she was just paying attention to me. She was engaging in conversation with me, asking about my life, and just giving me the attention that my insecure high school self just so desperately needed. So that crazy, dancing, middle-aged woman was Renee Zwerink. And um, she has just been such a great mentor to me, and she's shown up in my life constantly, and she's helped me grow my faith and just loved on me so much. Um, also, she saved me from falling off the Grand Canyon once, but that's just a story for another time. Um, so after that first time going to Young Life, I was just kind of hooked on it. And so that summer, after my junior year, I went to a camp in Arizona called Lost Canyon. And I stepped off of the bus and it just took my breath away. I'm such a nature girl and we were just completely surrounded by mountains. And we got to go up through them and ride horses and the trails. And it was just a dream come true for me. And I felt God everywhere. We were totally surrounded by him. And it was at that camp that I rededicated my life to Christ. And I can just remember the exact spot that I was sitting, and it was by our cabins. And I just remember in that quiet time just looking up at the stars and just asking him to come back into my life. And I'll just never forget it. And so we have another picture. And this was me midair doing a front flip off the blob. And the blob is like a giant pillow in the lake there and like you sit on one end and then someone else jumps like off a tower onto the other end and so you go flying basically into the water and so it was just such a cool thing to just step out in my faith and um just kind of step out in my newfound faith and the cool thing about it was Renee was right there like she took that picture and it's just such a cool picture of leaders just being with their kids in that and so coming back from camp I just wanted to know more and about that personal relationship with Jesus. And so I got plugged into a thing called Campaigners. 
that Young Life does and campaigners is just uh, it creates a space for kids to dig deeper into the Bible and study the Bible. And again, the leaders are right there with them. Just if kids have questions about the Bible or what they're learning, they can do that. And I was able to form a closer relationship with God through that. And um, I also got plugged into a church community here at Wellspring, and everyone's been so welcoming, and it's just been awesome. So thank you for that. Um, But by the end of my senior year, I just kind of wanted a challenge in my faith. I was hungry for that. And so that's when work crew was suggested to me. And work crew is when you go to a Young Life camp and you get to serve at that camp for a month. And so I went to Timberwolf. I was kind of nervous about this. Timberwolf is in Michigan, a Young Life camp. And I was kind of nervous about this because I'd never flown on a plane. TSA and airport security, that's just scary for me. Like, you go through, you think it's going to buzz off on you. That's just scary. And then I'd never been away from my parents for that long. Like, I'm such a mama's girl, so that was hard for me. Um, But it was, I just decided to trust God, and it was totally worth it. Um, I was a Tawashi, and so that meant that I got to clean toilets, basically, so, and do the laundry. So not the most glamorous job, but um, I got to pray for every kid that I made the beds for and that got to lay down in those beds, and so... And just for their hearts and what God was going to do in their hearts throughout the week. And so it was just an amazing experience. And I met the coolest people. Um, And just being submerged in that community for a whole month of people that are there for the same reason, for the same goal. Um, And that's that kids just, that kids want to hear the gospel and just sharing the gospel with kids. Um, it really is amazing. With no distractions, we weren't able to have our cell phones, so just no distractions from the outside world. It was awesome. And just coming back home, there was kind of like a loss of community and like mourning, you know, so that's really when I had to just cling to Jesus and um, put into practice what I had learned at camp and start serving in my own community. Um, And so fast forward, a year, I went to summer staff at Castaway in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And so summer staff is for college-age students, and they get kind of the better jobs. They get to work in the snack shop, and they get to do the ropes course. And um, I was placed in the office. I was the office assistant, and I kind of prayed about this going in because Um, the office assistant is the only summer staff person in the office. And I was like, oh, great. I'm going to be a little isolated. (laughs) I was like from the other summer staff people. But God brought something so wonderful out of the situation because the office assistant gets to work closely with the camp speaker. And the camp speaker was, we can put that third picture up, was, oh, wait, I forgot to talk about Claire. (laughs) Claire, (laughs) I met Claire at Timberwolf. And um, we bonded over the fact that both of our names were Claire. They called us Claire Squared. And um, we just bonded more over the fact that we just loved Jesus and we just wanted to share him with all the kids there. And she's actually a bridesmaid in my wedding, so that's great. Anyway, okay, next picture. Um, The keynote speaker was Kelsey Jenny. And if you know Kelsey, you know three things about her. One, her laugh is basically the best thing that you've ever heard on earth. Like, she'll laugh, and then you're laughing at her laugh, and she's laughing because you're laughing at her, and it's great. Second, she has the brightest, 
reddish, curliest hair that is unmanageable, and it's everywhere, and it's great. You can see it coming from a mile away. And third, she's so on fire for Jesus that it will literally give me goosebumps. And so just being able to work closely with her in the office and praying with her and then hearing her speak that, that month and watching kids just tune in and listen to her. And then as a result of that, seeing them sitting there during quiet time, praying and crying and giving their lives to Christ because Jesus speaking through her was just amazing. Like I can't even explain it. So that's Kelsey Jenny. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I came home from that, and I knew that I wanted to be a part of this organization for the rest of my life. And so I went through leader training, and I became a wildlife leader. And I got to take my own group of girls to camp. And just being on the other side of that was amazing as well, just watching those kids and middle schoolers go through the process of change and um, spiritual growth that I got to go through was just amazing as well. And just realizing that um, God is so much more important than any just worldly thing, you know, any middle school problem um, was amazing. And so um, now I lead at Savannah High School with my fiance, Scott. And the Savannah Young Life team has just been so com- so um, comforting, and um, they've made my transition from being a wildlife leader to a high school leader just so easy and comfortable. And shout out to the DeGarmos just for loving us and opening their home to us and loving on Scott and I so well. Um, and so you're probably thinking, okay, Claire, you showed me some pictures and talked about your camp experience, but what for? So... If you get anything out of this, it's young life is so relational, and its sole its sole purpose is to share the gospel with kids. Young life meets kids right where they are, and leaders earn the right to be heard in their life. They earn their trust, and they form a relation a relationship with them. And isn't that what Jesus does? Jesus Jesus says, "Come, follow me. Come, live life with me." He meets people right where they are like Peter out in the water in the boat. He invites him in. He says, come. Then he does life with him. That's what Young Life is all about. Young Life is such a great vehicle to share, with, share the gospel with kids. And Jim Rayburn, the founder of Young Life, said, teenagers have a right to know who he is, what he's done for, for them. They have a right to know how they relate to that. They have a right to know him personally. Furthermore, they have a right to make their own choice. That's not just what Young Life is about. That's all it's about. So teenagers in our area have a chance to make that choice every summer at Young Life Camp, but unfortunately there's a cost that comes with this. Camp can be around $700 to $800 depending on which camp they attend. And Young Life Camping isn't what you picture when you think of camp. It's not tents and no electricity and no like running water. It's more like a resort. They have the best food, heated pools, hot tubs, water activities, horseback riding, all of these things. Everything kids do at camp is for a purpose, and that is to point kids to Christ. The price may be high, but it's so unbelievably worth it when kids get to hear the good news of Christ. If it weren't for Young Life and my experiences at camp, I I wouldn't have the relationship with Christ that I do today. So I encourage you to invest in this organization. Invest in getting these kids to camp and giving them a chance to hear the news that could change their lives.
So just to end, I just want to say thank you for letting me share. And then I have a slideshow to play. I asked kids in the area to describe Young Life Camp in two to three words. And so this is what they said. I have one more thing that I want to say. <laughs> hey, um, here's, here's what I want you guys to know. We, um, the cost of our summer trips um, this summer is, is going to be up over $90,000 this year. And, and in general, we ask, um, and that, that, that includes, that's what it costs for, um, for us to go. And we, we take that and, and we ask folks, we ask our high school students and middle school students and college students to, uh, to pay and participate in paying for part of their trip. Um, <clears throat> actually, we ask them to pay for the whole thing, which is a good thing. Um, but I do want you to know that we have some folks in our community that that, that is a lot of money to ask them. $700 is probably the number one excuse that I get. Hey, you want to go to camp with me? And they go, how much does it cost? $700. No, I'm not going. Um, I, so there are a group of students that I want you guys to know that they desperately need some help. Um, they need a, They need some a, a way to get there, somebody to partner with them um, to help get them there. Um, and so we are, we're asking, in general in our area, we looking, we're looking at, if our camps are up over $90,000, we're looking to subsidize about a third of that cost. And so um, we do some fundraising in our area for that. Um, and uh, Wellspring has been so wonderful about uh, making this a part of their advent so that we can provide a present to our high school and middle school friends as they go to camp and hear about Jesus. And so um, please know that that's where your money is headed. If, if you put money in the, in the envelope back there, it's headed to help high school, middle school, and college students go to camp so that they can hear about Jesus and have life changed um, and, and be transformed. And so thank you for uh, giving us an opportunity to share just a little bit about what the Young Life Ministry looks like and, and how you guys can help. So thank you. All right, well, thank you, Phil and Claire. You guys heard the goal, 90000 So, Steve, go ahead and write that check. All right.
No, you know, like Phil said, our hope is to send as many kids as possible um, to Young Life Camp. And so all the money you give is going to go to camp fundraising so we can send as many middle school and high school kids um, in this town there as we can. And so kind of like he hit on a little bit, if you want to give to Young Life or to really any of the ministries that we're highlighting this Advent season, if you haven't noticed, every ministry kind of has a booth back there or a little station set up. Um, you can find the one that you want to financially give to, and there's, there's, I mean, pretty easy. Envelopes are already marked. You can put your cash or check made out to Wellspring in that envelope, put it in the offering box, and we will make sure that your money goes where you want it to go. Um, well, for those of you that were not here last Sunday, Pastor Bob talked about how the um, word Advent is a Latin term that means the coming of Christ. Um, it is a season of preparation to prepare our hearts to receive the coming of Christ once again. Um, it is a beautiful and powerful reminder of how desperately we need a Savior. Um, last week, the theme that we discussed was the theme of waiting. And this week, we're going to be discussing the theme of longing. Longing for Christ. And before I dive into the message, I want to take a minute to kind of distinguish the difference between Waiting and longing. So consider this illustration, um, if you will. Let's say you have two little boys, both of whom are uh, two years old. They come from totally different families, and both of them have fathers who arrive home from work every day just a little bit after 5 p.m. One kid simply waits for his dad to get home, just knowing that around 5 o'clock, you know, he'll be at home. He's just waiting, plain and simple, Nothing more to it. The other young boy cannot wait to see his dad. And he is ecstatic to run into his arms the second his father opens the front door. The first boy is simply waiting for his dad to get home. Kind of the routine. While the second young boy is longing for his daddy to come home so that he can run into his arms. Waiting doesn't necessarily imply um, any kind of emotion connected to it, but longing does. Waiting is just a statement of fact, but longing often has deep, deep emotion connected to it from one's heart. So try to keep that image in mind a little bit as we move forward today. Um, go ahead and open your Bibles up with me to Psalm 42. It's page uh, 515 if you're using a pew Bible. going to be reading verses 1 through 5. All right, Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. Um, excuse me. My God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. Um, when can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as, my, as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. With shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, 
my Savior and my God. Now, the NIV translation uses the term pants and thirst to describe the author's desire for God. Some of your translations may say, my soul longs for God, or my whole being craves you, God. And whatever Bible you're using, it's evident that there is a deep sense of longing in this psalm. This author understands that his only chance of survival, his only hope, is to be with God in his presence. And the author of this psalm, along with the um, ancient Jewish people of Israel, they had waited hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for the promised Messiah to come and rescue them from their sin and their depravity. Like us, they knew (laughs) that they were messed up and they needed someone to come and rescue them from their condition and to give them the hope that they so greatly longed for. And it doesn't take long in this psalm in particular to realize that the writer of this, of Psalm 42, is someone in great distress. If you were to read down, it kind of gets worse a little bit, just him sharing his pain. Um, Life was painful and even um, agonizing for the man that wrote this psalm. And I know without doubt that all of us have had seasons in our life, maybe you're in that season right now where you can relate to his words when he says, if you want to look at it again, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Now, it's fairly easy and natural for us to long for Christ when life is difficult, right? That comes pretty natural for us. That's easy. We want him to alleviate some of the pain that we're feeling or come and uh, just show us at least that there's uh, some hope that this will somehow work out for the good. Um, Excuse me, I lost my place here. Goodness. But we still need, excuse me, the part, we need to get to a place where we are aware of our need for him um, when life is going well and when our world seems to be falling apart. And as I was studying this psalm this week, it became apparent to me, um, pretty apparent that very few Christians that I know, honestly, myself included, seem to have this deep sense of longing every day to know Christ. And so I started to wrestle with that this week because I think there, there are a lot of people in this world that aren't longing for God um, because they think they can manage life on their own. I fall into that category. Some of you are nodding your heads. Yep, that can be me. Some people, this might not be you, some people don't think that God has much to offer them. Some people fall in that category. There are a lot of Christians that live every day without an awareness of their need for Christ, without an awareness of how desperately they need him and they need intimacy with him. They may know the truth, they may believe the truth, but as long as things are going fairly well, Maybe you can relate to this. As long as things are going well, you think you can manage life on your own strength and on your own wisdom. And I want to kind of hit on, before we really continue, that there is a big difference between longing for your circumstances to change and longing for Jesus. There's a big difference between those two things. Many people come to Jesus in hopes of him fixing something, right? Fixing their marriage improving their finances, restoring a relationship, wanting to be alleviated from their pain and their suffering. We sometimes want Jesus just for what he can do for us, not just to be with him. 
And if that's really why we're coming to him, that's not really longing for Jesus. That's a selfish, uh, motivated pursuit to get what we want. And the real message of Christmas um, is that Christ is with us on the scene. That is the real message. When Jesus came to earth, think about this, he didn't immediately accomplish his task. He came as just a helpless baby, right? From the eyes, it didn't seem like he had much to offer. It took over 30 years for his true mission to even be accomplished and fulfilled through his death and resurrection. He simply arrived on the scene as an innocent, helpless baby and said, hey, I'm here with you. I'm with you in the mess and in the pain. And if you think about what it would have been like for a minute for just the Jewish people who lived in the time of the Old Testament or some of the authors of the Old Testament and their friends and family and the people that they had great influence over, these guys did not know what this was going to look like, what the Messiah would look like. They didn't know how this story was really going to play out in detail. But for them, the longing and the hope of God was the Son of God coming in a manger. That was the longing. The longing was to have the Messiah with them, and even as a baby who was helpless, he was worthy of their adoration and praise, even as a baby. And a couple months ago, I had, um, I kind of had a breakthrough moment in my life somewhat along this line um, through the words of a friend, and I realized that I was rarely living this way. I was rarely seeking Christ, seeking intimacy with Christ um, through prayer and scripture reading and solitude, and, you know, that's kind of been my battle, if I could be honest, my whole life, um, and I would sh- I've shared that with people throughout the years, and When I hear people say, yeah, I can relate to that, Justin, then I just kind of say, oh, you know, that's acceptable. And I just keep coasting through life that way. Um, For me, it's the struggle of kind of being so busy doing things for God that I neglect to be with God. This can be especially tempting for pastors and people that work in ministry. Some of you work in ministry, you're going, yep, I can relate to that. It's a very dangerous way to live Um, because when you are in a occupation where it is your job to be in the Bible. Um, For me, it was just a duty. Um, I was studying scripture because it was my job. And rarely, unless my life became difficult, did I go to God in deep prayer just to be with him because I longed for him with no agenda, with not wanting my pain relieved or anything like that. That was a rare occasion I always went to God to accomplish something, to write a sermon, to prepare a teaching, to prepare for a Bible study, or to gather some verses to give to a friend who was in need. Longing for God in my everyday life was absent. It was completely missing. And so humiliated by that realization, I started to wrestle with what what is going on with me? Why am I living this way? Why is there no sense of urgency or longing to be intimate with Christ? And through a lot of conversations and processing, what I realized is it all boiled down to my lack of awareness of how much I need Christ. That was the root for me. I grew so accustomed to thinking that I can do life on my own that I forgot my need to know this Jesus 
who has already accomplished everything for me and for you. He does not need to do anything more for you. He does not need to accomplish anything more in your life. He has already conquered sin and defeated death. And what I need and what we need is to long for and connect with the God that has already claimed the victory for us. And I learned that you cannot long for God if you think that you're in control. And that's how I have been living most of my life. So I've been learning, especially the past couple months, and trying to tap in to God's presence uh, consistently, um, excuse me, consistently in order to acknowledge that I am not in control and that I need him every day. I'm not God. I can't save myself. I certainly can't save another person. I can't change someone's life based on my biblical knowledge or my past ministry experience. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. And if I am not tapping into his presence and seeking intimacy with him, I am going to miss his spirit and what he's trying to speak to me and where he's guiding me and where he's leading me. Are you aware, let me ask you, are you aware of your daily need for Christ? Have you bought into the lie that you can somehow manage life on your own apart from the presence of God? We will never long for Christ if we're not aware of our need for him. I'm going to say that again. We will never long for Christ if we're not aware of our need for him. All of our souls long for God. We just often choose to replace God with false idols. And there's a book called Addiction and, um, uh, Addiction and Grace by author Gerald May. He has just this killer quote. Um, along these lines. He said, God wants to be our perfect love, but instead we seek perfection in human relationships and are disappointed when our lovers cannot love us perfectly. God wants to provide our ultimate security, but we seek our safety and power and possessions, and then we find we must continually worry about them. We seek satisfaction of our spiritual longing in a host of ways, that may have very little to do with God. And guys, something encouraging about every single one of us here today is that if you are here at church, whether it's Wellspring or another church, if you are here on a Sunday morning, then you're at least somewhat aware of a sense of need in your life, if you're here. That is something to be encouraged by. That awareness may be very small, it may seem insignificant, but you're at least somewhat aware of a need in your life for God, or you believe at least that Jesus has something to offer you that your soul longs for. So how do we take that awareness and get to a place to where we long for intimacy with Christ every day? How do we get to a place to where Psalm 42 is the cry of our heart as we start each morning? My soul thirsts for you. My soul longs for you, oh God. And I have a story that I hope will maybe give a little bit of a real-life illustration as to what this can look like in the life of someone. Several years ago, when I started, right when I started working here at Wellspring, um, I, made, um, I made contact with a pastor down in Kansas City that I had never met before. I had just heard great things about this guy, and so I wanted 
to pick his brain. So he agreed to meet with me. I drove down to KC. Um, um, I met him at his church. We went lunch um, and had lunch at Chipotle because that's my jam. That's his jam, so it worked out well. Um, we had a lot of small talk. After lunch, we went back to his office, and I had tons of questions. I was kind of firing away at this guy, and I had one that seemed really stupid, and I'm like, this guy's just going to think I'm an idiot, because he was about 10 to 15 years older than me. And I just looked at him, and here was my question. I said, hey, do you ever feel like you have no idea what you're doing? Do you ever feel like you just have no idea what it means or looks like to be a pastor? And I was kind of like, oh, gosh, what's he going to say to this? And he just looked at me and just started laughing. He goes, yeah, Justin, every day, buddy, every day. He goes, that is why I have to begin every morning on my knees in prayer to God, asking him to help me. He goes, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have to begin my day telling him that I am nothing without him, and I I have to have his spirit with me to guide me and lead me because he is my father and my creator, and I I can't live life apart from his presence. It's just like, whoa. And it reminded me that just this man's longing, just this deep sense of longing that was totally absent from my life, and I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. It reminded me of the story of the two-year-old you know, that I shared earlier, just as this man longed for God, and the story of the two-year-old, how he longed to be with his father after a long day at work. Um, you know, a, a two-year-old... Bob and I were talking this week, a two-year-old doesn't really have a lot of expectations, right, that maybe an older son or an older daughter would have. It's all just based on the relationship. He's happy to see his dad because he loves him. He longs for intimacy with his father. And now I want to kind of throw out a question to you guys that I'd love to get uh, some feedback on, if you would be so honest. So we've established that we'll never long for Christ. If we're not aware of our need for him. So being aware of our need for him is the starting point. So here's the question. What is it that hinders you from being aware of your need for Christ? What is it that keeps you from getting on your knees each morning and longing for Christ and seeking intimacy with him? What hinders you from living in a lack of awareness of your daily need for Christ? So the floor is open. Let's hear it from you guys. Yes, Renee. I'm a Yeah, okay. She says she's a planner. She's got a to-do list from A to Z. So she gets immersed in that rather than, God, what do you want to do in me or through me? Yeah, good. What else? Yes. What's that? Okay. That's good. He said abundance. We have so much here. We have more than what we need that we just get caught up in it, finding comfort and thinking that we can manage life in our stuff. Yeah. What else? Someone else had a hand raised. Yes, Brooke.
to think, oh, well, you know, things are going better now. It must be something that I did or mm. I caused and not really recognizing that circumstances could have been things in my yeah. life um, from anything that you've done to this day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of saying sometimes our circumstances, you know, could change, you know, and we think it's based on our performance sometimes or our good deeds when really it's just God's blessing. And sometimes even when life is really, really difficult, you know, God is with us. You know, that's the comfort. What else? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, he's saying when you're not aware of your need, you just fill your time up with just busyness, work. A lot of times, I mean, I mean, we have more free time than some of us like to admit. We just use it unwisely, you know, in selfish endeavors. For me, it's sports and music. Yeah, anyone else? Blair. Good. She says she gives so much emotionally with raising her little kids that she's not sure if she has the capacity to really, you know, press into God's heart. One more. Um, for me, an overcoming in this area came whenever um, I realized that I was taking credit for God's good decisions. Mm. Yeah. And not being grateful for everything that the Lord has done. Yeah. The daily of, of praying and meditating on God. Yeah, yeah, he's saying, yeah, he's saying he kind of would sometimes take credit for good things happening to him and just forget just the daily need, yeah, for God's presence. That's good. Well, for me, kind of like I shared, I'm often not aware of my need because I think I can manage life. Some of you hit on that just on my own, my own strength, my own knowledge, my own past experience. Um, and as long as I think I'm in control, then I'm doing fine. But I'm not fine. <laughs> I'm not fine. Um, we can't manage life. I cannot create this life to be the way that I desire or want it to be because it's simply not possible. And author John Eldridge um, wrote about our response to this idea. Um, that's really good. So check this out. He said, isn't there something defensive that rises up in you at the idea that you cannot make life work out? Isn't there something just a little bit stubborn, an inner voice that says, I can do it. It can't be done. No matter how hard we try, no matter how clever our plan, we cannot arrange for the life that we desire. And here's why that's true. Because of at the core of who we are, 
we have longings that have yet to be satisfied. Longings that have yet to be fulfilled. So let me explain what I mean by that. I am a huge fan of the Irish rock band U2. Any other U2 fans out there? Oh my gosh, five? Jeez, this is my resignation, Bob. <laughs> wow, this band is incredible. And um, for those apparently five people listen to him in our church, I was going to say a lot of you guys probably know this song, but I'm not so confident now. They released a song years ago called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Anybody? There we go. Thank you. Jeez. You guys live under a rock. Um, this song is incredible on so many levels. And so we're actually going to play. I'm going to treat you guys to some YouTube today. Uh, that's right. I, we're going to play a minute from this song. And we have uh, the lyrics up on the slide as well. And this connects to what I'm talking about, I promise you. So enjoy this. Oh, we got any audio? Oh, let's start that over. Can we get some audio first and start it over? I'm not going to try to sing it. <laughs> no? Oh, I, saw, I, okay. I see Dave Dudick running like a wild man. Oh. All right, cool. That would be terrible. Oh, here we go. Let's uh, start it over. Wow, fail. Okay. You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains. Carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And what Bono, the lead singer, and the boys of you 2 are hitting on a little bit in this song is the sense of longing that nothing in this present world will ever be able to satisfy. And it's part of the tensions that we Christians, that, that us Christians live with, because we live in a time in history that is post-resurrection, but yet pre-second coming, right? It's often referred to as the already, but not yet time in history. Christ has come, he has already came, and set us free from sin and offered salvation to us and forgiveness um, and eternal life in him. But, as Bob talked about last week, we are now waiting for the promised return again, right? Of Christ, where we can join him in his eternal kingdom. And it's in that kingdom where all our tears will be wiped away, where there will be no more pain or death or suffering. It's where all of our longings will be fulfilled by the joy and peace that can only be found in the complete presence of God. That day has not come yet, 
but it's coming, and we have that to look forward to. We were not made for this world. This is not our permanent home. And John Eldridge says this again. It's just so good. He says, Our only hope for rest from the incessant craving of our desire is in God and us united in Him. And during this Advent week, as we journey uh, to the cradle, as we journey to the manger of Christ this Christmas season, here's what we need to remember as we focus on longing this week. Here it is. (laughs) The incarnation, the beauty of the incarnation is that God is with us. And that is all that we need. We don't need anything more. You may want your circumstances to change or to get better, but you do not need for that to happen in order to know the living God and to find joy in Him. We have been given everything that we could ever possibly need through our Savior. And our joy comes from knowing that God is with us right here, right now, in this moment. So let that longing fill you this week to gratitude and thanksgiving and praise knowing that he is with us and that is all that we need and pursue him this week and beyond this week with zeal because he is worthy of our adoration and worship let's pray together